You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors 42. And today's episode is another one dedicated to sea angling. This time we're going to talk about sea angling from the shore. And our guest is a man behind Irish Angling Adventures, James Raymond. I had a great time talking with James. He's like a hardcore angler, and we could spend hours and hours and then talking about sea angling and fish and catching techniques and rigs and so on and so forth. So if you're into angling or if you're into sea angling, this episode is a must for you. I don't want to drag this introduction for any longer than it's necessary. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, James Raymond. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. And maybe you just introduce yourself and, and what the Irish Angling Adventure is. Yeah, it's basically, um, well, my name's James, first of all. Uh, I started Irish Angling Adventures two years ago, I think. Uh, basically, I had to go in for surgery. And I was kind of always online. I couldn't get outside. So I was like, Jesus, nothing for fishing online. Like, okay, you have, you're seeing in an Ireland forum, but there's nothing, there's no resources for people actively going out. It's just kind of questions and answers. So mm-hmm. I was sitting at home and I was like, better start getting something like this sorted so i ended up making a website starting a facebook page starting instagram and just documenting every time i go out or when my friends go out and just started like that really irish angling adventures that's a that's a that's a big thing right so did that what what year was it oh geez um when was it uh, 2017 maybe the end of 2016 2017 oh so quite so quite recent yeah it was recent enough yeah and because i was like on i i see angling ireland i was was big there but it was the year 2007 2008 yeah Yeah, maybe to 2010 and then i kind of it was the time where, in general, those bulletin boards yeah, were, were big. Being popular, while, yeah. while while Facebook was not that yeah. that big, and then like the more people starts going in, that's yeah. what I noticed. Some people get like, like, ah, oh, you know, there's a moderation, yeah, this message, yeah. that message, and they start moving, shifting into the <laughs> Facebook because now everybody have it, is in yeah, control. Has it, yeah, but the the forums were great back then. Everyone was always questions and answers. Everyone was willing to answer. And then, as you said, it went on to Facebook and people kind of started getting a bit quieter doing, as I did, my own thing and putting up their own stuff. And then people just, oh, that's my spot. I can't, I'm not telling anyone about this. And, mm-hmm. oh, it's great that people have their own spots, but it really got a very tight knit. People weren't getting outside their yeah. their own little community and it, it kind of went real quiet. And like, see England, Ireland, the forum, like they are great, Jesus, a lot of resources on it, mm. but it really has gotten very quiet like on it. Really? Yeah, but... That's why again I met I met I met a lot of a lot of great people there. Yeah. A lot of, you know, angling adventures yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going from out of that. And and these are these are folks that I know uh to these day. even even one of the previous episodes of the podcast uh is is with one other guy i'm saying previews but the moment we're recording that it's not yet online (laughs) (laughs) but the moment people will be listening to that it's 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 gonna be already previous so it was great so you you touched on one thing that i actually want to ask you what's your opinion on on people 
kind of being protective about their fishing marks. It's uh, and 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 sometimes it's it like yeah, I can understand both sides. You don't you don't want all of a sudden you know like a bunch uh, yeah, of bloats yeah. showing up on your mark, especially if it's like a small yeah. That's the but thing. then on the other hand, some people are getting completely overboard and yeah. like oh delete that photo yeah yeah. It's like no, oh, I've had I've had both of them look. If people want marks, I'll, I'll give it to them. But I'll give them, I'll never give them, like, okay, I've got marks that people have, I know have never fished because I've spent weeks going down, making sure, okay, I can fish here, here, here. I can't, mm-hmm. I've lost 200 euros worth of gear in mm-hmm. every mark around here except mm-hmm. for this one. Mm-hmm. And I'll spend a few weeks fishing them until I, re- until I know it is fishable. And then, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I'll put up a picture and, People always find where the mark is from a picture, mm-hmm. and you get people say, "Oh, take that down! You can't fish there." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "No, like it's it's everyone's coast. There's plenty of fish there for everyone." Yeah, as long as as long as there's no rubbish being left around, people can fish everywhere. Yeah, but like you'll get to some marks, and there's fishing line everywhere, and there's traces and mm-hmm. cans and bottles, and yeah. if you have stuff like that, I'll never tell people because then mm-hmm. someone else will come down, and they leave more, and it's just all it, it's a snowball effect. It always mm-hmm. goes downhill. But a lot of people, if you know they're genuine people and they are genuinely looking to go fishing, oh, yeah, they can go wherever they want. Jeez, I'll give them every mark they need. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. again, if they're really interested, it's, they're not going to make a yeah. show of it. They're, it's going to be cleaned after them. They're going to take everything mm-hmm. home. And, mm-hmm. yeah, as, as I suppose, this is this is what you said, you know, how are you going to vet people yeah, who are, who are, because obviously... You know, you can you can tell, right? I can I can tell just by, by five minutes talking to, to yeah. you. I know, like, okay, he's a guy. Right? <laughs> I was like, there's no problem. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. wanna you wanna go for you know, I have a good mark. But then, you know, you you have a guys who's showing up and they're you know, like for example, for for bass fishing, yeah. right? I'm 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 big into bass fishing and like, uh, you know, you you see the guys and they're just taking every fish yeah. they caught and it's, it's obviously poaching, right? Yeah, but, yeah. And then you don't want to do to do that. So it's always to find that 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 balance. Yeah. But you know, sense. I have a guy I saw the guys who were just editing photoshopping photos. Yeah, well. So as a <laughs> so as a guy it was like a very funny thing on one of the Polish uh, uh, angling farms where there's a guy with a with the catfish. Yeah. And behind him are are scares in Sweden. You know, it's like because he edited it. Yeah, I, was I like, did. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did something like that. We found a mark in Galway that's mm-hmm really good for congers mm-hmm. and one of my buddies put up a picture and you could clearly see where it was mm-hmm. and me and my other buddy were like you you can't do that we've only found it will you let mm-hmm. it so i ended up editing him into the great wall of china and then he posted <laughs> that but uh it was just it's funny there are marks like everyone's going to keep secret but mm-hmm. it's just it's i you know i heard somewhere that 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 also depends on you know like for example um salmon fishing community fly fishing yeah. they're much more open about their marks because of the more it, it, it's not necessarily in ireland yeah but but because of their more um regulated character yeah. of the fishery and 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 distribution of the marks and everybody knows where the marks are yeah. and they know what are the limits and it's highly regulated so yeah. that kind of supports being open yeah it makes about sense. where it is yeah while in case where like like here like we're talking sea fishing yeah. where you actually have no regulation and yeah. it's just it's good to go you don't need a license you don't need anything then the 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 the, the, the level of the barrier of entry is very low yeah and you're just kind of like okay like now anyone can just show up and yeah. you know fish with a hand grenade yeah <laughs> if people just had some 
just respect. That's literally all they need. Just respect yeah. for the environment is obviously one, but like they leave again, like is people like if they sna- okay, if they snap upside casting or something, or they get a bird's nest in the reel, they just cut the line, they just throw it down. And like you just yeah. take it home, it goes in the bin, it's or the mm-hmm. recycling, it's very easy. And yeah, or people drinking bottles and cans or even the bags of bait, you'll find them all over every single beach in Ireland. Yeah. And it's just people not thinking, oh, if I just take this home or bring it to the bin 20 yards up the road. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's just mad. Bring your rubbish with you, lads. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, 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 but you know, it's it's unfortunate because, you know, I always see anglers uh, as almost like a conservationist. Yeah. Or like, like, like people, and this is like a big thing for the podcast when I'm trying to kind of bridge that gap between people who are you know on the one extreme of the spectrum you know animal lovers in their quotes and then sportsmen you know hunters and fisher fishermen and um and it's very difficult relation because Mm. there's quite often adversary relation yeah which i think is very unfortunate because both groups are yeah there's there's the same thing but having said that on both sides, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and like on on in in case like you're saying about anglers right now, yeah, like basic stuff. Don't leave rubbish. Yeah. Don't leave like a plastic fucking bags with, with bait or yeah, anything yeah. like that, because it's it's then it's like oh these damn you know uh, anglers. Some, someone will be the worst thing is something. It's a lot of the same nationality get blamed for it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want to sound bad, but it is mm-hmm. always Eastern Europeans. You mm-hmm. always hear people saying, oh, they're always leaving stuff. Mm-hmm. But jeez, there's, it's not. Like, a lot of Eastern Europeans, like, are always, they're very respectful for it. But you'll mm-hmm. have a lot of Irish fellas, and I don't want to sound very bad, but there's a lot of scumbags mm-hmm. do a lot of fishing. Mm-hmm. And they're worse than anyone I've ever seen. Like, you'll have barbecues left everywhere. You leave yeah. Cans. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been, it's like, crazy, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it up close, so... That's unfortunate. And um, listen, tell me, what's the what's the main type of fishing that you're doing? All sea. They, I, I, I oh, very. Yeah, but I mean, are no, you doing spinning no as specific, well? Oh, everything. Okay. Every, anything. I'll fly fish in the sea. I'll spin. Mm-hmm. I'll bay. I'll flow fish. Everything. As long as it's in the sea, I'll end up doing it. Okay. Okay. It's, but this freshwater stuff, I might do the odd bit of fly fishing in a stocky lake if mm-hmm. if I'm bored or if yeah, the weather's yeah. not great. Mm-hmm. But no, it's always the sea. Everything I can get my hands on out there. Like oh. I'll always have. In the back of the jeep, I'd always have two or three beach casters, all mm-hmm. different weights, and then a load of spinning rods and yeah, <laughs> just yeah. ready for I'm anything. A, I'm asking because by looking at your at your Instagram page, yeah. and this is this is actually how we get in touch through Instagram, and and folks, it's at Irish Anglic Adventures with underscores yeah. between them. Um, a lot of great photos over yeah. there. Uh, the majority of the photos is like with a beach casting rod. Yeah, most of them would be, but that's it's probably I suppose the majority of my fishing just because. Mm-hmm. Big baits. I, right. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of small baits. Okay, there mm-hmm. are certain marks I will, but it's always big baits. And well, mo- just because we're out of the winter, it's always dark. So you yeah. can't really. Okay, you can spin it for bass in the dark, but mm. you'll always get more on the bait. I always yeah. find, unless you got to certain marks that'll have. Do you, do you think that the beach casting and surf casting are like a different types of angling? No, or is it to just me, a, it's all the same. It's just as long name. as you're whacking baits out, it's mm-hmm. beach casting or surf casting or rock fishing, whatever you want to call it. Once yeah. there's bait being thrown out, it's the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. You're just always picking the bait and picking the rigs for what you're trying to catch, and it's sure, just the same sure. thing. <laughs> I, ha- I have I have a you know, like a question again. Like, since we had the vocabulary, what's your what's your take on 
what's the difference and is there a difference between angling and fishing because you're you're specifically using the name I, angling I, yeah yeah i i say angling it's more of a how would i say it's more sport oriented you're 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 not really taking the fish you're it's you versus nature whereas fishing i find is just someone's going out catching a fish and taking it home and eating it mm-hmm. like i i i don't eat fish like I, mm-hmm. at all i don't like fish to eat at all but mm-hmm. i go out just for the sport of it right. just go catch the fish take a few pictures take lengths and send mm-hmm. it free again mm-hmm. so that's just what i think angling is now everyone could have a different definition of it but angling to me is just the sport of going out and getting fish. yeah yeah but and conservation, I suppose, is a bit of it. So. <laughs> My friend explained that to me that when they're going on the boat and they have a beers and yeah, barbecue, yeah. it's That's fishing. fishing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit more recreational. Yeah, though. and then when they're going like at a focus and there's yeah, this yeah. target species <laughs> and this is this particular gear like that's angling. It's that like, sounds about... Better, that sounds right anyway to me <laughs> if i was relaxing sitting down having beers that would definitely be fishing not worried what's happening <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever it's like what's the deal with with light rock fishing it was a big thing oh, I love it. Some, some t- love t- it. tell us about light rock fishing it was something i only got into maybe a year or two ago i think it was, oh really yeah, I only so really, it's still a thing it's, oh it's still oh it's huge i i, I thought i thought it was the, because i was first introduced to that it was maybe 2010 2011 yeah. and then i thought it's just just was the second but oh, like i geez, said I, I lost the touch with it i think it's still very popular because you mm. have like if anyone listening is on um facebook there's a competition that's run between ireland england wales and scotland it's the shore and boat competition and it's a mm-hmm. species driven competition yes and on that, everyone, light rock or LRF fishes, uh, for all your, like you've so many species that people don't even know about that yeah. are at your feet, literally in yes. most places. And then once you bring out small hooks and small weights and little tiny bits of bait, you're, it's crazy the amount of fish that are literally at your feet in all of these marks. Uh, that's what I thought, that, there was the, that the start of that was all on those, those species, species-driven yeah, well, competitions, there, like, oh, how, who can catch yeah, more, species, more species, right? Yeah. And then w- w- by going by those tiny fish, after those tiny yeah. fish, you opening like a whole oh, a, new it's chapter. It's a sport nearly. Like, it's yes. great. The way you have to think about it and the marks. Like, you could go down to any beach and if there's a rock pool, I guarantee there's four different types of fish in it. And mm-hmm. you'd never think it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like even feeding it now outside, which is one of the most popular marks down here. Mm-hmm. Like you get corkwin, ras, herring, lawns, all your different types of gobies. Like there's crazy amount. And you'll see fellas throwing out mackerel feathers for three, four days and getting nothing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if they put down a small sabiki rig, they'll mm-hmm. end up getting fish every single cast. Yeah, it's just such a different sport, and then you end up using really light rods. Like, was it the Shakespeare agility is a half half a gram to five gram casting weight? Mm-hmm. If you get a pollock on that that's six inches long, it's like catching <laughs> a 10, 12 pound bass. Like, it's amazing fishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but it's it's one of these sports that came over from I think it's Japan or Japan. It was developed in. Oh, really? Yeah, it was developed oh. in Japan, and then it slowly made its way to England. And sure, once it makes to England, the law was there coming over to here then. But yeah, geez, it's it's great crack. And all your little blennies and your shannies and gobies, they're just characters. I don't know how to put it. Like you get a shanny and you'll have it in your hand and you'll take a picture and he'll just roll over and bite you. Like mm-hmm. he could be in there for the last five minutes and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's like, oh no, I don't like yeah. you anymore. He rolls over and bites you and they're just all great characters. Yeah. And like I'll catch, I have a big saltwater tank at home that if mm-hmm. I catch a fish, I might bring it home and I'll keep it there for a few weeks and then I'll mm. release them again because mm-hmm. you'll see how they act in the tank and it's mm. just the the symbiosis between or not symbiosis but the uh, 
the kind of community between all the small fish and all mm. your like uh shrimp and stuff it's just yeah. it's unreal looking at them <laughs> yeah. i was i was always uh kind of skeptical about it because those fish are so tiny oh yeah so, so that was something that was kind of putting me off because i don't know it's it's probably me but i like um kind of physical <laughs> physical aspect of yeah, it yeah. right so uh, so i i was like a absolutely crazy about shark fishing yeah. right and and all these things so like it was like a big fish um and it was like oh okay you know so i, I never really got into that yeah but, but you're right you have a, such a variety of yeah, like fish. even like if you get like we'll just say a blue shark okay he's blue and white that's it you get a bass he's silver and white they're all kind of two-tone and then once you get down to the mini species, the colors in them are amazing. Like if you ever see it, is it a mm -hmm. reticulated dragonette? Mm -hmm. It's like a sandy color with these bright bands of blue through it. Mm -hmm. And like you'd never, it, they look tropical. They look like fish yes. that you'd find down in the Caribbean. And they're amazing. And even your corkwin wrasse, they're all these multicolors. They're just, they're such beautiful fish. Yeah, they wrasse. People's wrasse yeah. is absolutely oh, they're amazing. crazy. But like everyone's oh your bass your sea trout whatever they're all the same color and then mm. once you get down to these minis the colors yeah. in them are amazing like. yeah and it's just that's what's great to see like just the variety that's there even and you're and you're you're fishing are you fishing like mainly kind of uh like a pylons or like, like some artificial structures oh no jesus well uh, the lrf stuff is very handy at like all your piers and like phoenix your pylons and bridges because if you have you've so much access to it you don't have to walk you just park and just out of the back mm. again. and then especially with your peers because yeah well if it, especially if it's a working pier there's so much bait being thrown into the water from the fishermen anyway that there's going to be so much life there yeah but then you get out obviously you get out to some of your more remote rock marks that's when i've found like uh if anyone's ever seen a, a scorpion fish mm -hmm. they're i think they're one of the best looking fish in the world they're yes so crazy looking but like if you're at a pier you'll only get them there'll be an inch, two inches long. Mm -hmm. And then if you get out to more remote places, you get them nearly a foot long. Like it's, it's just crazy what's there. It really is. But most of my fishing, I'd say, is off of remote marks. I like, mm -hmm. I have my marks in my bag that are always kind of, oh yeah, if I go there, I'll get this, this and this. But I love, as the name suggests for Irish angling adventures, I love getting out and trying to find new things. I'll walk for three hours to fish for 10 minutes and be like, okay, that wasn't worth it. And to walk all the way back again. Oh, but then, the but then you probably, another thing is that you need to do that three hours walk. Yeah. Like 25 times yeah, yeah, that's to actually literally. find out <laughs> <laughs> what is the right tide oh, and but, what moment and right time yeah. of the year. To but it's like, like I'll finish work and I'll sit in the computer and I have three websites always or four websites always open. I have Google maps, the Geohive, Geo, the OSI maps moved over mm -hmm. to this one. The, there was coastal helicopter photos taken in 2003 of the whole coastline of Ireland. You just click through them all. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Navionics web app, it shows you all the depths. Mm -hmm. And I'd have four of them open every single night. And I'd just slowly scroll through. Okay, that mm -hmm. looks nice. I can get here. Okay, now what's the coast look like? So you do a lot of scouting like oh, uh, online. I'd say 90% of before the fishing is scouting and then mm -hmm. tying a few rigs and stuff. But it's definitely a lot of looking at marks yeah and did chatting to people as well like you'll always like i have contacts all over the place and everyone will have another contact that you can oh have you fished here oh i haven't but my buddy has and then they'll tell you mm -hmm. but it's all oh it's a lot of scouting <laughs> a lot of yeah. getting information for it oh but that's a that's a that's a thing so um, you're 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 preferred like so what what's the 
your preference finding new spot because like let's be honest finding new spot is a lot of work yeah oh. and uh and a, and a success is not guaranteed no and you can you can you, not. <laughs> right so how you how you making a decision between going to the known known mark i like versus... the unknown that's the thing i like okay oh, what could be here so is it like are you, are you losing interest in the market you go in there's a great spot and you're fishing like a like yeah. a bucket loads of fish it's a great and you go for after once say like nah i'm not going yeah. there anymore nah, that was too easy i, I <laughs> have to struggle for a little bit but it's just i don't know it's, there's a lot of marks like you'll fish and oh you're guaranteed these few fish mm -hmm. but what's around the corner oh i don't know ah. let's find out like that that's i love doing that uh, yeah just trying to find marks that no one's fished or and especially marks that are rough fishing i love right. fishing heavy ground because mm -hmm. you literally don't know what's going to be there. Like if you you could pull out a skate or something, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But I could be fishing. Well, what do you mean by heavy ground? Or like, like, a, like real heavy or rock ground. Like you're going to be losing a lot of gear. Oh, okay, okay. And a lot of big heavy like kelp forest now and stuff like that. Uh -huh. you're, you're not getting a lot of gear back. Yes. But if you get one rig back with a fish that you've never caught or a big fish, uh, it makes everything worthwhile uh, at the end of the day. So it's just... And it's, and it's also probably marks that are very difficult to get to. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's a lot of... Like even... I I, I, I have a caravan, uh, me and Tommy were talking about out in Castle Gregory and Mount Brandon. You can walk out to mm -hmm. Brandon Point or drive yeah. out. Yeah. I, Me and my girlfriend decided to walk up Mount Brandon one day, uh -huh. and I had a fishing rod in the back just in case I saw America. I could walk down to, <laughs> so we walked for three hours up over the mountain, and I was like, "Oh, but I saw on Google Maps that there was a spot down here I might be able to get to." And she was like, "Oh, not again!" Like, I love it. I love it. The, the guy hiking up the Mount yeah, Brandon with, with the fishing rod. Like, what are you doing? Like, well, you never know. I may see the good mark. <laughs> It is. That's the thing. Like you could go anywhere. No. Oh, geez, you can get down there. <laughs> you, you're you're like a, like a really hardcore oh, balls out. <laughs> I, I always say to my friends, heroin would have been cheaper, but I'm addicted well, to fishing. Pro probably it could be right. I'm just gonna adjust your yeah. Your mic. Oh, sorry. All right. Oh man, that's 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 really amazing because I know I know. This is like a special kind of people who yeah, are like oh, so addicted, you know. We, we, yeah, <laughs> and and I get like I know one of the friends who said like like he got so much tackle, in yeah. the, and so he he bought like a uh, like a shelves like a rod holders yeah, that you yeah. have in a tackle shop. And then we're talking with the other guy, and he said like, yeah, yeah, I saw like a John's. Uh, you know how he has like a little tackle shop and the other guy says little <laughs> like there's many tackle yeah. shops that would be jealous about all the gear yeah, that he has <laughs> my house is like that as well and what's worse is i still live in my parents house mm -hmm. and uh i had to buy a shed my room is full of gear the shed is full of gear my jeep is full of gear there's just gear everywhere <laughs> absolutely and they hate it <laughs> Uh, yeah. You have to have it though. That's the thing. You just yeah. have to have you're, it. You know, you know. If you end up fishing so much, buying in bulk is so much cheaper. So you're going to have loads of stuff everywhere anyway mm -hmm. because you bought a hundred euros worth of swivels or something. Yeah. But now you have swivels for ten years. Are you, are you, are you doing any like a, like a clean up? Because this is this is what I, I found. Like sometimes <laughs> you're you know you're taking these boxes boxes yeah. of stuff and it's like. Okay, I I I never used those lures in the last five years. I'm probably not gonna use yeah, them yeah. again. <laughs> but it's nice to have. That's the thing. <laughs> how's your How's your packing on the for? Because I noticed there are two 
kind of schools of of packing gear for a fishing trip and i'm i'm always uh, i'm always the guy who t- takes minimum i'm taking I, like one or two yeah. rods and like a, just the lures and, and i'm i'm mainly doing uh a spinning fishing so yeah. i'm just taking like a few lures that i know i trust yeah I'm, and then you have a guy who is just you know putting getting on the boat yeah, yeah. and he's putting like a boxes <laughs> I, and boxes i of certainly stuff. used to be bringing everything including the kitchen sink i <laughs> used to bring everything like you'd have 40 kg on your back like walking mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. and then i ended up with the box i used to bring everything i had a big a shakespeare team box mm-hmm. and like they're huge there's no need for it yeah. and i used to have like I was like a sitting. Yeah. It was yeah, working like a, yeah. like a like a like a place it was a to seat sit. Box. It was seed box. But yeah. I also brought a backpack with all my spinning gear in it. <laughs> so I had so much gear, and then you'd have a box full of weights in the in in the seat box, and you'd have like we just say if I went beach fishing, you'd have kind of six ounce weights, seven ounce weights. Mm-hmm. But then I'd also have a load of half or one ounce weights, two ounce weights that I'm mm-hmm. never going to use, but. I'd have them all in the box just in case. Mm-hmm. And then one day I ended up breaking that box because I had so much stuff in it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, geez, I'm going to have to start rethinking this. So then I ended up going to bare essentials. So I just mm-hmm. bring a rig wallet with all my rigs. I bring mm-hmm. four or five lures and then a measuring mat and maybe six, seven weights. And now it's there's nothing in it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I certainly had to really think, mm-hmm. okay, you don't ever use this. Just, just leave that at home now. Yeah, And especially when you're going, the marks that you're yeah. just doing rock hopping. Or you yeah, had lightness those, those, is needed. Those, like those, really those sharp rocks yeah. and, and so on. I guess with a... With a stationary fishing is not that that's not of, too bad, yeah. But when you're when you're spinning so, yeah, and you're you need and you, lightweight stuff, you just need to yeah. be able to move around that a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But like a spinning now, if I'm doing a serious rock mark, mm-hmm. I just bring a backpack with five or six things in it, yeah, and I keep it as like what's most of the weight is water because trying mm-hmm. to get to these racks is sometimes yeah, tough. yeah. But yeah, I'll bring a, ba- a backpack with just a handful of things and maybe four or five weights because after that, that's a f- six seven euros worth of. Co- gear let lost if you end up losing it yeah you don't want to sit there and lose another five six euros you just head away yeah so yeah any of them marks there that um they're a bit tougher to get that yeah the bare bare essentials is all you mm-hmm. like i won't even bring a camera with me i'll just bring mm-hmm. the phone it'll just do the job yeah yeah uh, but it is tough <laughs> and, and 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 listen and uh in in the, you prefer like a marks who are, well I don't know whether you prefer but you you kind of guy who goes in the mark and is like a whole day mark that you're fishing you know uh, ebb really. and, or is it like I'm there like a two hours before minimum or two hours after minimum you no, know I, because sometimes you have a place where you got to be at a certain yeah, stage of yeah, the tide and th- and <laughs> then and then there's like no point being yeah, there. there but then there are marks that's like a like I say whole day mark yeah yeah so you can bring your food and you, yeah. you're fishing the wood you know the whole time yeah it's it's it really depends like some marks if I if I am going out trying to find new ones I could end up spending the whole day. But again, mm-hmm. if you start losing rigs, you're like, ah, I'll come back a different day, a different tide. Like, like a lot, we fished America now yesterday that on low tide, even even mid tide, we couldn't reel in. Every time we reel in, we were getting stuck on a rock. Oh. And then from high tide above, or from mid tide above, it just, it, there was no issues. So like, you just oh. have to figure it out. Like you, if you don't try, you're not going to figure it out. But then you have obviously your summer marks where, ah, if I just go two hours before, It'll be perfect, and then yeah. after high, there'll be nothing, or after low. Yeah. So you just have to figure it out slowly. Like if you, mm. if you don't get out and do it, you're not gonna figure it out. That's the yeah. thing. And like you said, if you if you have a you need to take like a three hour hike to this yeah. spot, it could be it could be that's whole a day so, that's a whole day fishing day, mark <laughs> anyway, regardless how much time you're actually oh, yeah. spent fishing. <laughs> oh, it certainly could be. That was just 
you have to play the game like if you don't mm. play the game you're not going to mm. win but would you say that in general would you agree that in general oncoming water and flooding tide is a better is there no. a better result no, not at all no uh, every mark is completely different mm. some marks will fish on the incoming some will fish on the outgoing some full low some full high it literally depends on the marks and the features like there's a few marks around here you can only fish them on low Mm -hmm. Once you get to the high, yes. you can't even hit some of the marks. Mm -hmm. And then again, there's others. If you don't fish it on a high, there's no point in being there. So mm. it's just, it all depends on what mark it is. And again, local knowledge and kind of going down and serve So that's one thing as well. If you can get down to the market at low tide and you can see all your sandbanks, your rocks, you're like, okay, I can see where to fish now at high tide. But then one thing I do as well is I'll do a lot of snorkeling. Mm. So if, like some places out now in Castle direction, I'll snorkel out and I'll see, okay, there's a rock here, a rock here, and a sandy patch here. And then I'll pop up and I'll be like, okay, if I cast here, oh, okay, okay I can get a fish here. There is, there's a lot of them. But then again, if you don't try, oh, someone could tell you, oh, this place only fishes two hours to mm -hmm. high. But if you fish it, but he's probably never fished it at low tide because he's always been told fish it at high. That's another. So you that's just another, have to try. That's that. another thing. Yeah. Is it, these are like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Yeah. It's no point fishing on the high water here. At the have you ever fished in the <laughs> high water? No, no, because this is not worth yeah, it. Well, yeah. of course you're not catching it. Yes, that happens a lot. Like it really does happen a lot. Like, oh, it's, it's it's people getting into a mindset. Oh no, it doesn't work. They fished it once at a certain time. Oh no, it never works. But yeah. I fished it here once and I caught a fish at high tide. Oh, you can only fish this at high tide. Yeah. It's just the way you have to. If you don't try, you're not going yeah. to know. Like, you you might have thing. been lucky in the worst phase of yeah, the tide yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> like even yesterday, there was three, there was four of us fishing on America yesterday. And three hours in, no one had a fish. And then all of a sudden, I got two fish and two casts. And none of the other lads had a fish. So they could have been thinking, oh, no, this mark is useless yeah. at this time of the tide. But then as soon as it got over half tide, I two fish instantly, like literally one after another. Mm. But then it stopped then again. And we didn't get anything yeah. else for the day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you just have to try. That's the main thing. Getting out. That's probably yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Do you have for our listeners any tips on safety? Because obviously, say, especially yeah. like, like when you're fishing like a heavy ground. Like yeah, you mentioned. It's something I've started thinking about a lot. I've had a lot of not close calls, but I've fallen quite a distance off of some marks onto wow. rocks and into the water. So I have, I, I bought a life jacket there last year. Um, just one, Joe, if I fall in, it'll just inflate itself. Mm -hmm. But the big thing is don't, don't get cocky. Mm -hmm. You need to know your limit. Like, like I've been doing it for so long. I kind of, okay, my limit's probably above other people's. I know, like I, I do a lot of bodyboarding and swimming, so I can kind of read the water a little bit better mm -hmm. than your average person i used to do a lot of kayaking as well mm -hmm. so i can kind of read the waves you can you figure out the sets of the waves and yeah. especially and you know the water you yeah feel, yeah you feel comfortable com in the water. very com comfortable in the water but like you still don't want to fall in <laughs> mm. but a lot of marks a lot of rock marks i'll never go with a set of waders ever mm -hmm. i'll i've fallen into a few lakes with waders on and it's it's tough getting out when they fill with water like, that's it that's oh, it and a lot of surf marks like, if, if anyone knows, like, your surf beaches and carry, like, Incheon, Vermoil, and Strad Valley, you can get six, seven-foot waves mm -hmm. instantly. Like, you could be in, you could be standing there in no water, and all of a sudden, four foot of water comes in. Yes. Like, you, you really need to be smart about what you're doing. You need to look around. Mm -hmm. Be mm -hmm. aware of your surroundings is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the marks I fell off of, it was my own fault. I was standing on a rock, and I went to jump, and when I jumped, a, a rabbit 
jumped out from under the rock and scared me and I missed my footing oh, and then God. fell till fo- 10 foot into the fucking or sorry into the rocks then at the bottom I was like, oh, my God, if I just stepped down and walked around, it would have been easier than trying to jump across it. Yeah. But it's, but, yeah, life jackets, if you're doing any marks, especially on your own, because I do a lot on my own, a life jacket is essential these days. Yes. There's so many stories of the RNLI going out for fishermen who've fallen off rocks. Just Mm. buy a life jacket. They're only, you buy them for 50 euro, like, Mm. and you can get cheaper ones if you want to, Mm -hmm. but, like, a decent one. And especially if you're getting a life jacket, get one that's for your weight. Like they're all rated yes. for certain weight limits. Really do don't don't be like 150 oh, yeah. newtons. Yeah, is, it's kind is, of a is, good is, average. Is, yeah. is, 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 a, is a minimum. Yeah, and it also depends what what clothing you have because like you yeah, mentioned, yeah, if, if you, you have like a heavy, heavy yeah. you fishing in the winter and you have like a heavy gear. Yeah, it's gonna on, just sink. Yeah, yeah, then you probably need to go for 375. But, it, but well, I suppose you won't sink. It's you're not going to be able to swim. Like if mm. you fill a set of waders with water, you don't sink. You just don't move. That's the problem. Hmm. You, okay, the waders might bring you down a bit. You're going to struggle to stay up, but you're not swimming anywhere. You basically have a parachute of water with you. Yes. You're not going anywhere. But with the life jacket, at least you're up. You're not struggling to stay up. Yes. And they're visible. You're, you're going to have whistles on them. Well, I'd advise getting a whistle at least, but a lot of them mm-hmm. will come with a whistle. And they're luminous, like orange or yellow. So you're going to be seen straight yeah. away. Yeah, but especially like waders. What color are they? Dark green. Like yeah. you're not gonna spot that against yeah. the water. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's surprising how like if you're in the water and it's a little bit of a swell. Oh, it's, 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 it's like it's it, you yeah. you could you couldn't you couldn't see sometimes no. like you know when you're boat fishing sometimes the whole boat is it's kind disappeared of disappeared. Yes, it. exactly, <laughs> and that just you know like a like. But it's a very you made like a two very important points. One is about the life jacket. Where people often say, like, well, they thinking about the life jacket as a gear that you need when you're on the boat. No, but then actually not really. And the other one about the waders. Yeah, the waders can be deadly. Oh, yeah. With with filling with water and like, it's 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 just terrible. And and people don't don't really. Yeah, like that. at least if if you really are wanting to go waders on rock marks, get a belt for it. Like just tie them as tight as you can around your waist. So at least if they do fill with water, it's only maybe the top half a foot is going to yeah. fill and at least that gives your legs they're, are going they're to be not going to they're not going to feel that fast yeah. at least yeah exactly so at least wear some sort of a belt or something mm. but definitely get if you're doing anything with waders near dodgy marks definitely mm. get a life jacket yeah. there's, there's no the last thing you want to get or your family want to get is a phone call that mm. oh he fell in and we can't find him yeah that's yeah. the last thing anyone wants and and on on a life jacket it's one thing i want to i want to point out that like we mentioned, 150 newtons is, I think, the minimum. Anything else is a is a buoyancy oh, yeah. buoyancy aid. Yeah, yeah. It's not really life jacket. Like, it's a buoyancy aid. Yeah. So like, don't 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 go for cheapest option. Yeah, yeah. Get like you said, get an option to suitable to your weight. Yeah, yeah. And suitable to the gear that you're. Yeah, that but you're then wearing. like you can get okay, you can pick one up for fifty euro, and it's going to be a bit bulky. It's going to be a bit heavy. If you pay mm. more, you won't even notice they're on you. Like. Yes, that's the big thing. And like I only picked up one there recently. I had to pick it up. Um, it was a water snake one. It's it's all ventilated at the back. It's just a self inflating. I can refill the cartridge when mm-hmm. I need it. So it's yeah. ideal. It's okay. It's not lightweight, but I even know. I even saw one guy. He had a like a life jacket and and fishing vest. Yeah. In one. So it's like yeah, a, it's, yeah, it's, it's can, like yeah. a fishing vest a with a built in yeah. life jacket. Yeah, and then it's the, like a lot of the guys now that would do a lot of trout fishing on boats. Mm-hmm. All their fishing vests are all life jackets as well yeah like, that, i think that's a, that's, a, that's a great thing because yeah. when you have a life jacket you're not really going to be wearing 
your your, your vest yeah. because you if you put a vest under it's not gonna work right. you know you're not you're not gonna reach any pockets yeah. and if you're gonna put on top of that that's just stupid because yeah. you're, it's, it's not gonna inflate so <laughs> don't, don't do these folks yeah don't oh do geez this. certainly don't but yeah there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of safety stuff coming out in mm. the market now mm. and especially um henry gilby i think last year did a some sort of um a campaign with the rnli showing people the, mm -hmm. there's videos on youtube if you want to look it up of him falling into the water with waders on and mm -hmm. he, oh. he has a few friends that all jump into the water with him with waders and they're like this was stupid like why why did we do this for years and then they have the life jacket on and you can see them they can all swim to the bank they can get out of the water mm -hmm. it's just you yes. need to be smart about these things yeah like. yeah and then did you have any 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 tips on uh uh, like a safety in relation to weather or tide or anything like that pay attention to that um weather well in the weather i really won't go out or a force four wind mm. i'm not sure what that is in kilometers or mm -hmm. meters per second but force four is kind of a limit like you're not if you can't cast into it it's you're, there's no point in being out yeah and then if it comes to like cold or extreme heat just prepare just you're, you're not going yeah. to sit in the beach in the middle of december at minus two in a pair of shorts yeah like you're going to layer up and stuff but it's the weather isn't too much of a factor i find just because oh really we're 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 so close to it like okay if you were traveling for four days to get to america and there's nobody around yeah you mm -hmm. need to be really concerned but there's a pub around every corner with a fire or a hot whiskey or something it's mm -hmm. it's not as a concern but yeah if you're feeling cold obviously get a hand warmer or just layer up or something yeah but tides is a big one i've mm -hmm. i've gotten cotton a few marks that have have you been cut off yeah you don't realize huh? that there's a a bit of a gully behind you it actually happened to us yesterday we didn't realize the tide was so high mm -hmm. and now it was only a foot deep but it was fine but uh mm -hmm. yeah you kind of pop here like oh uh i guess we're here for the day yeah yeah <laughs> or there's one mark um out in clahan actually if you've ever fished clahan estuary mm -hmm. sand is very soft yes i went out there two or three years ago the tide hadn't dropped low enough and when I was walking along like that, instantly I dropped to my waist. And Whoa. the only thing that kept me up was my seat box. Seriously? So the sand was still wet underneath and the top layer was dry. So I thought it was fine. And when I stepped on it, it was, this wasn't quicksand. This was lightning sand. It just completely went straight out from under me. Whoa. And I sunk straight to the seat box. And the only thing that kept me up was the seat box. And there was three Holy guys crap. up to my right fishing and they had to come down and pull me out. I've never experienced something like that. And since then, I don't go to Clahan unless the tide is well out. <laughs> like, really? It was, geez, it was scary. Like, I've never been in a situation. I've never seen a we'll situation. Well, talk about like it because that. that's a that's a, that's a a point I, I quite often fish. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. I love that place. Oh, it's, it's an amazing that, spot. The channel is, yeah. is, I found that the channel, I usually fish the channel. The channel is changing oh, every, it changes after, year, after every year. Yeah, yeah after every a, winter. It's left of the rock, right of the rock. It's mm -hmm. just, it's always changing. Now there's a big sandbank up to the right that I mm -hmm. don't get what's going on there. Right. But that's a, that's a good way to discourage people to go to your to your mark. Like <laughs> there, there, are, there are quicksands <laughs> yeah. there, lads. You don't want to you don't want to go even, there. Even that's Clahan isn't far from the car park. Like when you're walking, but mm -hmm. geez, you get into that sauce and, and it is a trek to try to get through it. Like mm -hmm. your calves and your thighs be burning and trying mm -hmm. to walk through that. But yeah, geez, that day scared me. I was very nervous after coming going back there the next time. Mm -hmm. Like I was obviously going to go back, but of I course. was very <laughs> careful about walking across, and I I was sure to have a seat box with me because. Mm -hmm. who knows what would have happened if i didn't have the seat box like, yeah i could have sank yeah. all the way yeah yeah and wow. like that would have been a place i'd have never worried about uh mm -hmm. 
safety. You know what? I th- I thought now I'm thinking like there are those uh, even in your in your you know Garmin watches or devices you yeah. have this uh, and life track yeah. which is for for cyclists yeah, and yeah, detection yeah. like that's actually can be quite useful for angling oh, yeah, as well because it, would be. it, because that that brings me to another point was like when you're going out like tell somebody where oh, you're going and where are you expecting to come back yeah. because like you said like at least somebody will try to yeah. find you rather than you go fishing on yeah. Friday and then on on Monday <laughs> you know at work she hasn't seen him in a yeah, few yeah. days why, <laughs> why he didn't show up to work right <laughs> yeah Especially, uh, yeah, definitely have a phone with you. Without it, have a phone with full charge. Even mm-hmm. if it's not for taking pictures, it's just handy to have in case anything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And definitely put in a poly pocket. I've lost a few phones now. <laughs> right. <laughs> definitely put in a waterproof pouch with a poly, or not a poly pocket, but a Ziploc bag or something, mm-hmm. just to keep it that little bit. Yes. Even if it's torrential rain, like you lose a phone yeah. quickly if, you don't, if yeah. you're not watching it. Yeah. But yeah, but tell someone, geez, you have to tell someone. Yeah. Even if you're just bragging, at least someone's at least someone I mean, knows. I mean like every like every like a serious hardcore angler I found had some some of the close shaves. Oh yeah. That's I mean. I, that's that's like a mildly scary. But it's gonna if you're cycling and you're heavy in cycling, you're gonna have a close shave with a car or something at some mm, stage. True. If you're big enough into a sport, you're gonna end true. up getting into true. situations you probably could have avoided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and especially that you're dealing with, with nature, with yeah. the sea. Yeah, and this is this is really serious stuff. Listen, James, uh, tell us about your your fishing trip to Vega Island. Oh, Vega, jeez, that was wow! Like that was an experience. Walk us through this because (laughs) this is like a this is in in Norway. Yeah, this was and Norway is like a mecca for for fishing. Yeah, absolute mecca. But it was a trip of a lifetime and one of the worst trips I've ever been on at the same time. It was amazing. Um, when. Well, we started, there was four of us going. We were going to go for seven days. It was one of our buddies ended up chatting to a fella called Ian Peacock. He's an English angler who mm-hmm. sets up all these kind of trips around. Mm-hmm. And he was chatting to him. And eventually he told us Vega Island would be a great spot for our first time. It's it's a spot nobody really shore fishes. Like mm-hmm. the, the Norwegians don't shore fish really. It's all boats. Because right. everyone has a boat up there. They can all just go yeah, out. Yeah. So this spot is isn't fished from the shore regularly at all there's a few english anglers go up there and i think we were the first irish up there maybe oh, second or oh, third mm-hmm. group pull, to go pull that thing a little nope, bit sorry. and yeah, yeah, um we um yeah so we, we decided to book it for seven days the four of us went mm-hmm. and two of us had never myself and my buddy ian he'd be in a lot of photos on the irish angling side as well um we'd never been abroad fishing like we're still young we're only 25 26 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we said yeah geez we'll, we'll definitely go now it was, it's a, it was a bit expensive. It's a, what, a th- about a thousand euro for your flights, your accommodation. Right. Now where it all started to go wrong was Dublin Airport. So we, <laughs> literally this first step. So we had everything packed. So you have your rod tubes, you have everything, and we went up to the the desk and we were checking in, and the woman at the desk said, "Oh, you have to go check the rod tubes in over here." Yeah. Um. Because they're oversized, you just have to check them in yes. over here and come back to us. But leave all your gear here, I'll check all the rest of it. Yeah. So we went over, paid for Rajoops, came back, and the girl we were dealing with was gone. <sighs> there was another girl checking our stuff in, so we just carried on with it. And she gave us all her labels, 
which we didn't know until we got to Vega that the labels were wrong. Oh, Jesus. Um, but we checked in. We were delighted. Me and my buddy, we gave all our carry-ons. They said there was no more room on the plane for carry-ons. Mm-hmm. And we were delighted because we had to catch three planes. Yes. We were like, oh, we don't have to deal with these now for the day. Mm-hmm. So we gave them all. And uh, that was grand. We sat down in the pub, got on the plane, flew to Amsterdam. So it was Dublin. Th- the, the flights were Dublin to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Trondheim, Trondheim to Bronnysund. Mm-hmm. And we were told we don't have to collect any bags until we get to Bronnysund, our very last destination. Okay. That was a lie. I, I can see where it's going. <laughs> I can see so, where it's going. But as well, we only had 45 minutes between flights. Mm-hmm. So when we arrived in Amsterdam, we had 45 minutes to get from one gate to another. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's been to Amsterdam, Amsterdam Airport is huge. Mm-hmm. 40 minutes is tough we ran <laughs> yeah but we got on the flight to Amsterdam delighted got into Trondheim and then we got into Trondheim we asked one of the staff oh do we have to collect our bags and she said yep every time you come into Norway your first time this is a tip for everyone the first time you land in Norway you have to collect your bags and recheck them in hmm. so we were all oh, great so we went stood at the carriage now we had only 40 minutes to get the next flight but Trondheim's a nice small airport mm-hmm. it wasn't too bad and all the luggage went around and around and around and then stopped ah <sighs> I were like, oh, maybe she was wrong. Maybe they are going all the way. So we assumed they were going all the way. Uh, one of the buddies had to recheck in. We got to the flight. And then we asked another staff member who's checking us on our board or doing the, the boarding gate. Mm-hmm. She said, no, you were definitely meant to collect your gear. Like, it has to be collected the first time you enter Norway. And they rang the baggage. Baggage said it never made it on the plane. And oh. they were like, look, just go to your final destination and... And then we'll there. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so we then got on. So you, we had two kind of nice sized planes and then we get in like a 20 seater plane mm-hmm. and it was a small turbo prop and mm-hmm. it was the first time I've ever sat the wrong way on a plane. It mm-hmm. was so small. But we got into this little airport in Bronnysund, which is the same guy does check-in, he waves the planes in and he does the baggage. This mm-hmm. is how small this airport is. And we were waiting and waiting. He eventually came to the, the window and we said, all our, so there's 10 bags in total missing. All, wow. all, everyone's gear. And they, was and they never made it to, to Norway. Never. When, so when we were chatting to him, he said, "Oh, let me just check where they went." Oh, seven of them went to Abu Dhabi. What? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, three of them are in Amsterdam. And we were like, "What the hell?" What's uh, yeah. what the Abu Dhabi like? We have no what, idea. What airline you were flying? Uh, KLM. KLM. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, we're a just, good airline. They're a big airline. Like, just they, careful. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was crazy. But they said, oh, the three bags, look, they won't be on, the next flight won't be until tonight. So we'll have them three bags with you tonight. Mm-hmm. The other seven, we'll do our best. That's all they could tell us. Okay. So like, okay. So look, at that point, what you were missing? Everything. All I had was the clothes on my back and my phone and my wallet and passport. That's all I had. Oh, okay. That's I, not good. No, it's not. But we were kind of like, okay, the flights were so close to each other. We kind of expected not to even get fishing the first day because we had to figure it out. We had to get there. Yeah. So then we got to, we got a rental car, did a bit of shopping. Uh, it was an hour drive to the ferry. You had to buy like a clothes. So, so. I, I, no, I was confident they were going to get all our clothes. <laughs> so I was like, I'm fine with the stuff I have on me for one night. I'll get over it. Uh-huh. But. We got on the car, or we got the cars. It's an hour drive to the ferry. Then we took a fer- an hour and a half ferry to the island, and then it's another twenty minute drive across the island to accommodation. Mm-hmm. Now Vega is a beautiful place. It's even Norway. Norway's beautiful place. I've never seen landscape like it. It's crazy. But we got to the the house or the accommodation anyway. We were kind of just getting our bearings, looking around. We were driving to a few of the marks that we were told, mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, tomorrow now we we have a, a job, or um, we we kind of have a plan. So. 
Charlie, who was with us, all his bags arrived the first night. So mm. he had everything. He was delighted. So he had all his rods, his clothes, all his rigs, everything. Even so, though he never he never checked, checked collected them. And, yeah, and it all arrived. They they sh- they flew, or not flew, but they put it on the last ferry that night, and it all came to us that night. Oh, so okay. he was lucky. He had all his gear the first night. Wow. So the second day, we were, we were ringing them and ringing them. Eventually, they said, oh, yeah, we found six of the bags out of the seven that are missing. Uh, they should be with you either tonight or tomorrow morning. So we're like, okay, at least we have a... Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. And um, we went fishing for the day, and unfortunately, my first we so we were all using Charlie's rods, and my first cast with Charlie's rod, I snapped it in half. <laughs> so we were down an extra rod, including all of our other rods, and I felt so bad. <laughs> but it was good. We got a few kind of cold fish and mm-hmm. cod. Now nothing was crazy. Like mm-hmm. the cod we were getting up there were maybe four or five pound, which mm-hmm. is kind of a good cod here in the winter. But yeah. up there, they don't even care about mm-hmm. that. Well, we were delighted. Yeah. <laughs> And then maybe you're kind of four, five, six pound coal fish. So we were happy. Um, mm-hmm. Still getting our bearings. We we're still trying to figure it out, Marks. Mm-hmm. And then we got a phone call saying they lost the bags again. So they didn't know where they went. Oh so apparently they God. were coming back from, I think it was Abu Dhabi or maybe it was United Emirates. Or and it was all courtesy of KLM. KLM, yeah. Oh, lovely. Um, we came up with a hashtag that I'm not going to say for all our posts that day, but uh, we weren't happy with KLM. They're... They really kind of did the dog on it. (laughs) But they lost all our bags anyway again. And we were like, great. So we were ringing the insurance company to see if we could do an abandonment. Because Mm -hmm. we had nothing. No clothes, no gear, nothing at all. Yeah. And we went back to the house. We kind of, we sat down. We had a few beers. We were like, okay, we'll we'll wait another day. Calm down. Let's figure it out. Then next morning, we were ringing and ringing and ringing. Eventually, they said, yep, your bags are on the way. Six of them. Out of the seven. And we were like, okay, we'll we'll deal with six. Look, if the rod tubes arrive, we're good. I don't. I was saying, I don't even care if my clothes arrive. I just uh, want my rods and my reels. Of course. Yeah. So um, we went fishing that day again with the few rods we had left from Charlie's collection. And uh, that evening, we got a phone call. Six of the bags were on the ferry. They'll be at the house soon. So they're mm-hmm. all of, apparently all of mine, all of Alan's, and two of Ian's. And Ian was worried because he had a few thousand euros worth of reels and gear mm. and he was like oh no if i lose these now this is going to be shocking yeah so the the taxi arrived on the third night so we had seven days there and on the third night the taxi arrived with all the gear it was minus one bag and when i opened the bag or opened the boot i realized it was my bag that was missing okay. so they checked in all our gear wrong as well so everyone's name was on oh, a different bag God. so they 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 got everything yeah. they could wrong so then that made it even more confusing when we were ringing them we were i was saying my bag's missing but it's actually under ian's name and it's under oh it just made but anyway all the bags right it was like christmas morning there i think there's pictures of, <laughs> of us ripping open the bags changing clothes getting the gear ready we were all set, but thankfully all our rod tubes arrived, all our fishing gear arrived, except for my one big carry or big bag with all my spinning reels, all my clothes, all my wet gear, oh, all God. my fishing rigs. So the only clothes I had with me were the few jumpers I had in on the carry on mm-hmm. and the clothes I had on me. Oh, so I'm, I still apologize to the lads, but the smell off of me. <laughs> And I was trying to wash my clothes and I was going around in like a towel and just a jumper for a while, just trying to stay clean. Yeah. But it was utterly, and unfortunately, I had only one pair of shoes on me. And the first day mm-hmm. I fell into a, a puddle of blood 
that we had, we just oh, got into the fish and yeah. I fell into it. So the smell off of them was horrible. But oh, it was fine. After that, then we kind of we got into swing things. We had all our gear, so we were hitting it hard. It was long days fishing, mm-hmm. like early or late to bed, early up, straight out. Mm-hmm. It was good fishing that we had. No, it wasn't amazing. Like you see people have pictures of like 20, 30 pound cod and all mm-hmm. this. Yeah, Norway's not like that. Norway can be like that, mm-hmm. but it's it's decent fishing. Now we were in log ca- or we the cabins we were in. There was nine nine cabins there, and all of them were all people fishing. They were all kind of mm-hmm. Austrians and Germans, but they all just did boat fishing. Yeah, and they were saying the fishing was shocking. They weren't getting any fish at all at all. Really? Whereas we were coming back with we could get five six cards each a session. Oh. And they weren't getting anything out in the boats. That's interesting. Yeah, it was crazy. What was the reason? Do you know? They, they didn't know. Uh, we went up in August, which wouldn't be your big fishing time. It's it's mm. warm up there. It's nice. It's very comfortable. Yeah. But uh, they had no idea. They just There wasn't a lot of fish being caught. Mm. But we thought it was amazing. We were getting fish constantly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we specifically went up to get halibut. Mm-hmm. Um, the halibut in the summer come into less than I think it's like 10-20 feet of water mm-hmm. and every mark up there is 60-70 feet anyway mm-hmm. but a lot of locals were telling us they boat fish in some of the sandy patches up there the, the halibut come in chasing crab and we noticed if if we had thought of it before it but every cod we caught was full of peeler crab ah. absolutely stuffed to the gills of peeler crab and that's what the halibut were chasing they're in eating peelers but um, yeah we fished a few marks and we had one mark that we were really interested it was like how would you even put it there was we were fishing from the island and there was a channel maybe 100 yards across and then another island but the channel was a deep sandy channel so we're like okay this is where we get halibut this is where this is the mark and we were fishing there for the entire day losing rigs it was so rocky right down our feet it was t- the current was so tough it was trying to get stuff in but ian ended up hooking into something it could have been a boat for all we knew the speed it took <laughs> off he hooked into it and Ian was using a Ziplex M4 Evo and he's a Diva Saltus HSH30 which are significant gear like it's mm-hmm. you need something big to be pulling these like and it doubled over and the screaming off the reel as it went out and it, we were like what the hell is this and it stopped and he got one or two wines on the reel and it just wasn't moving and he was like oh it's stuck and then the Rogers kind of nodded once or twice and then and just couldn't stop whatever he'd hooked into. Wow. And that put the fire under us. Jesus, we, all the rigs were changed. We, oh, geez, there's big fish here. Like, we never saw what that was, but we know it was a halibut. We know the size, we have no idea. Right. So the next day, we went Did it out. break off? Oh, yeah, there was no stopping it. Yeah. Absolutely no way of stopping it. It was crazy power i've never seen a fish so you so you tie in the drag and then the line oh no no tighten the drag up to where it was if if you've ever fished with heavy drag you can hear the line pinging as it comes off the reel yeah and that wasn't stopping it and then the fish went down and we think it went down there was like an underwater ledge and we think the line just broke off it It didn't break from too much drag okay and um but that really lit a fire under us. We were like, oh I my can imagine, God. <laughs> we were getting sick of all the cotton coalies at that point. Mm. But uh, the next day, then myself and Ian decided to hit a different mark, which is, um, we call it the salmon cages. We were fishing right next to a salmon farm mm-hmm. and uh, fishing there for a while. And then I saw my rod go and I was like, oh, I have a decent cod here. Mm-hmm. My God, was it not a cod? <laughs> it was. Uh, it was 114 centimeter halibut, about wow. 40 pound. Now, we were so happy. First halibut I had ever hooked or ever caught. 
but it put up a decent fight for 40 pound like a good maybe five ten minutes getting mm. it in so we can only imagine how big ian's was on the way yeah. like oh it was crazy um but oh it was an amazing spot that was the biggest fish we got we went out in the boat a few times and got kind of a few mm-hmm. cod but it was actually in norway i norway last year I didn't get any mackerel in Ireland. I only got them in Norway. I have no <laughs> idea how. Like, <laughs> but oh no, fishing up there was it was great. The weather was great. Unfortunately, mm. we didn't see the northern lights or mm. anything, but it was amazing. So this year we ended up booking it for ten days. So Already? we're back in September now for oh, ten days. Oh, lovely! The four of us that went last year are going again, but there's ten of us or nine of us going this year. Mm-hmm. But anyway, to finish the story, on the way back, um, the last day we had everything packed. My bag still hadn't arrived. I forgot to mention that. I still had no clothes with me. I still... So the last... But after that, like, after that halibut, that didn't matter that much. You know? No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I deserve this. I'm still in here. and smell off of me. <laughs> oh, I, we needed the halibut to really lift our spirits. But it was great fishing. We had a lot of big dab, a lot of cold fish, a lot of, uh, a lot of big... Uh, not big, but six kind of seven pound cod. Mm-hmm. And a lot of lure fishing from all on lures that were great. It really mm-hmm. were like... But uh, the last day we were heading home and I was still ringing the insurance company trying to get my bag sorted. They said I could only spend, was it 50 euro, I think, to as an emergency fund. So all I bought was a pair or a set of socks because mm-hmm. it's expensive in Norway for anything else. Yeah. And uh, we were heading home anyway. Got in our, or when we got to Bronisund, this is how small this airport is. All our tags were on the bag and I asked the guy at the check-in, can I get something to cut him off? He went, yeah, yeah. He threw me a knife. In the middle of an airport, he <laughs> gave me a knife. And then I looked around, and there was Vegas, a big hunting destination for deer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there was guys oh. sitting in the airport with their guns out, checking their scopes, making sure. And I was like, "This is <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> like I've never been in an airport where I I've been given a knife by staff, and there's guys around me checking guns. <laughs> like it's it was so this is how small awesome. the airport was. Oh, yeah. These are these stories. Oh, I just love these stories. We got in the flight then again back to Trondheim, and when we got to Trondheim, we had a two hour wait before we get back. Two hours was delayed to four hours. Four hours was delayed to six hours. And we had now missed our flight from Amsterdam to Dublin. So we were going to be stuck in Amsterdam. Okay. The flight event, or they handed out then food vouchers. Now, the voucher. And why the, why the, the flight they, was delayed? They said there was a puncture on the plane and no one was there to change the, the, the tire. So oh we were stuck God. in this small airport. Everything was closed. Like uh-huh. everything was closed there. And we were given food vouchers for the value of. It was a thousand five hundred kroner, or knock, or I can't remember the the currency, but it it was basically about eleven fifty euros. A sandwich was twelve. <laughs> so you can only imagine how angry uh, I was, smelling the way I was. Flights delayed, Mister Connecting flight. A sandwich was twelve euro, and all I had was eleven in a voucher. So oh, but eventually we got in the flight back, and we got to Amsterdam. And our flight was missing, so they told everyone, look, if you've missed your connecting flight, go to the service desk. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be sorry for the language up here now in a second, but we got to the service desk and the woman said, uh, not my problem, I'm going home. With 20, 30 people who had missed all their flights. Uh-huh. And I told her if she doesn't get back into the fucking desk, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> again, my How ba- did that go on that <sighs> airport? <laughs> She got back in and she called a few people. And <laughs> Did someone handed some, yeah. you a knife? <laughs> but uh, she eventually got us sorted. But then she told us, oh, I can put you on a flight tonight. You on a flight tomorrow. You can get one in three days. And uh, we'll see if we can get you on one tomorrow as well. 
So there was four of us all going to be split up over three days of flights. Oh, God. And I was like, I'm not, like, he's my lift home, so he has to come with me. Mm. He's his lift home, so he has to come with us. And I was like, Charlie can do what he wants. He drove himself. So, <laughs> But um, we, she was like, oh, no, there's no flights, or there's no seats available in tomorrow's flight. So we took up booking. And it's all KLM. Yeah, all KLM. Ah. K- I'm, KLM are the worst airline I've ever flew with. They did not help us anyway. Yeah. But unfortunately, we have to fly with them this year again. But, uh, oh, okay. I was going to yeah, ask. <laughs> they're the only one that do the flights to where we're going, unfortunately. So, uh, But um, she told us, she was like, oh, there's no seats available in tomorrow morning's flight. No, there were seats available at the 6 o'clock flight, but the 11 o'clock was booked out. So I opened up booking.com or kayak and I went, uh, no, there's six seats available. It says it here. And she was like, oh, that's, that's not on my system. And I went, okay, can I get them seats? And she went, uh, I suppose... So then she booked them and I went, oh, and also, where am I staying tonight? Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, you'll have to go to someone else. I was like, Jesus. They thankfully booked us into the Hilton Hotel in Amsterdam for mm-hmm. a night, which is an amazing hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we had to argue so much to yeah. just get what we needed. And still my bag was missing. That's what was really getting to me. And it was, what, six, seven hundred euros worth of gear and it just mm-hmm. gone. Did you ever get it? No, it's still missing. Oh, really? Yeah, I had to go through insurance to get it all back. And the annoying thing is, KLM lost the bag. Everyone knows. KLM even knows they lost the bag. But I had to claim it off of the company, the last right, Widerow. They're like, for all the word, Air Aaron. They're a small mm-hmm. little yeah. company. And I had to claim through them. And they were the nicest people to deal with. But I felt so bad claiming the money off of them because KLM had lost everything. But I had to claim it off of them. So I got oh my all my God. gear back. Well, I got the value of all my gear back, thankfully. And I had to buy all the new gear. But it was... A month or two getting this sorted, so I had no spinning gear and all my rigs and all my wet gear. I just bought guy cotton wet gear, which isn't cheap. I just yeah. bought it, it was still in the plastic, and I never got to use it. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! But we eventually got home, and as soon as we got in the door, we were like, "Okay, when are we going next year?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it was such a bad holiday and such a good holiday at the same time. That's we a, that's the like, thing. That yeah, just, it, these good things. We, like, yeah, we had. It was bad in the sense of the traveling, but the stories out of it were just amazing. Oh, like because that's that's where uh, you know this is this is like I heard that that when you going through the experience that suck, yeah. but it suck at the moment you're in. Yeah, that but then when you look back, yeah, most good stories. <laughs> I remember this time when we when they lost all our bags yeah, and we yeah. were all stinky and all that. <laughs> and these are these stories. So yeah. then you like it. It's an earned happiness, I suppose. It's that's an so earned happiness. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Um, oh wow! So you're going back this year? Yeah, we are going start. Uh, what is it? Twentieth September. We're going for ten days this year. Right. So it's a little earlier than it was. Oh, was it later? No, it was earlier, yeah, than we went last year. We kind of went the end of September, October, I think it was actually last year. Mm. But we're going yeah, the 20th to the 30th of September this year. And there's, we're bringing an extra five lads with us this year. Right. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, oh, I, I, I'm going to go hell for leather now. We yeah. know where to fish. We've tested a lot of the marks. Yeah. So exactly what's ah. going to work. Uh-huh. So again, this is uh-huh. the, the adventure you, side. You're, you're, maybe you send your gear... Uh, yeah, uh, before you know, but this is I know that this is what what a lot of lads are doing. They're packing their, you know, there are companies who are, uh, like for bikes or for guns yeah. especially. They're saying like, okay, I'm gonna be you know cycling or I'm gonna be hunting in that destination, yeah. and you giving them gear and they making sure that the gear is yeah. there waiting for you. Thankfully, yeah. Alan. So so that's one option. I know yeah. that a lot of people does that, yeah. or just on your own thing if you know yeah, the yeah. guy. 
just use DHL. Yeah, thanks to DHL. Uh, Alan's sister-in-law works at DHL and she can get it all for us cost price up there. But we have to send it four weeks before we actually get in the fl- flight. Mm. I don't really want to not fish for four weeks before. Oh, come on. You have so much gear that I you know, surely will find something. You go yeah, light rock fishing. <laughs> oh, but all my gear comes. Oh, jeez, I, I had so much gear. Like, I had stuff I couldn't even use because it would have broken all the fish up there. But I was like, ah, I'll just bring it just in case. <laughs> but I know better for next year now, I think. But uh, mm. yeah, we can send all the gear through DHL, I think. We can pack it all on the pallet and get mm. rid of it. But it's we have to send it four weeks before we go and then we have to wait four weeks to come, to come back. back. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's you're nearly, what, two months mm-hmm. without most of your gear then at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I might send maybe the heaviest of the gear with them and then mm-hmm. bring just the carry-on and the rod. And just a change of clothes. Just yeah, just change. I, I, No, no, <laughs> this year I've been telling the lads, this year I'm wearing all my clothes. Too well. <laughs> I'm going to put the boots on my hands. I'm going to wear all my wet gear. I'm not... I'm not losing it again, but it can't. Lightning can strike twice. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I got the worst of it, so it can never happen yeah, again. Now, now. <laughs> it's going to be smooth sailing. I'm, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. I'm hoping so. Listen, much. we we might do we might do podcast when you come back, and maybe oh, with, yeah. some, with a few of the lads. Yeah. So, oh so, yeah. So we, once once that go. Listen, uh, before we wrap wrap that thing up, um, I just want to ask you a question. Like, what's your um, observation in relation to? Uh, state of the sea and state of the fishing you know we we hear a lot of that you know it's getting worse and worse and over overfishing and then now apparently uh, climate change have also some sort of a compounding effect whether whether species can't cope with the temperatures yeah. or acidification or is it just the population displacement they're moving somewhere else <laughs> it, what's your observation over the years is certainly certainly made a huge impact like as i was saying i didn't catch a mackerel in ireland last year i got mm. three or four in norway like who the hell doesn't catch a mackerel in ireland like they're plague proportions so i didn't get one this year or last year like overfishing has definitely definitely taken an impact climate change okay there's a good and a bad side of it in the summer we're getting species now that we'd never got 10 years ago mm-hmm. like all your gilt head bream and stuff were never here 10 years ago but now i know can... that 10 years ago were this little trigger fish yeah in dingle and yeah. they never showed up since so i was no the... there, there's a lot of trigger fish um there's a lot of marks uh, down southwest coast now you get a lot of marks will have trigger fish oh, really? resident nearly oh but wow. even down in cork you have we're gonna that. talk about it after the pop. <laughs> <laughs> there's that even ross carberry down in Cork, it's a big mullet fishing place. Mm-hmm. Like anyone who fishes for mullet knows Ross Carberry, the big mm-hmm. mullet. There's resident gilthead bream now staying it. Now they're small, they're juveniles, but mm-hmm. geez, that never would have happened before. Like it's yeah. just it's staying that little bit warmer. Yeah. And like you have all your Mediterranean species kind of slowly starting to make their way up here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the climate thing, I don't think it's had much of an impact. Now there's different species, but I don't think it's made much of an impact. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we're kind of situated perfectly that it's not too warm, it's not too mm-hmm. cold, we're kind yeah. of good. Now, if you went further south, maybe yeah. it'd have an impact, but we're not too bad. But the overfishing definitely has had mm-hmm. an impact. Like, the one thing I really don't like is, now, I don't eat fish, I don't take fish, it's catch and release for everything. Mm-hmm. But bass fishing, now you're only allowed to keep, wasn't one for six months of the year, and then you're not allowed, it's catch and release fishery, then for the rest yeah. of it. The whole but, last year yeah, was catch and release yeah. only. But the anglers aren't the ones making the impact. Like, if you mm-hmm. catch two fish, Mm-hmm. It's only two fish. If a boat comes out and nets a thousand, yeah, like it's in tons. Yeah, yeah, it's tons. You're not looking at one or two fish. Like it's overfishing is definitely like I've reported a few fellas that I've seen netting mm-hmm. too close to the beaches, mm-hmm. um, and then you have 
like I'm not too political, but like you have these super trawlers that are coming in. Like there was what four of the seven biggest mm-hmm. super trawlers in Galway Bay last year. Yeah, like jeez, like you can't have that stuff. It should be policed a hell of a lot more. And you have like Monkstown and Cork is a big uh, cod fishing mecca in the winter when mm-hmm. the cod are in. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the trawler lads, and I know I'm going to get flack for this, but uh, there's, if you get enough people fishing the wall in Monkstown, a trawler will just go up. He'll see all the fellas fishing, notice fish there. He'll go up, net the whole thing, and then that's it for a year. It's done. You can't fish there. There's no fish. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like, there is, ridiculous. There man. is a fair bit of overfishing, but like a lot of it also gets shipped away. Like There's a lot of, like, we're, for an island nation, we don't eat fish. We really don't eat fish. We're kind of slowly getting into a foodie revolution, I suppose, and we're slowly starting to eat a bit more fish. But it should be our main diet, but all our fish gets exported. And we're, like, mm-hmm. the only country, I think, that sell quotas. Like, I think Spain have a huge amount of what our quota should have been, and mm-hmm. France have a huge amount. Really? Yeah, we've we've oh. sold a lot of our quotas because we don't have that industry. We're not a big fishing in- Okay, yeah, you have, like, your um, Killy Bags is a big fishing industry, and Dingle have a few trawlers and stuff. But we certainly, we just sell it. We have such a big um, mm-hmm. ocean, uh, not landscape, but we we own a hell of a lot of yeah, the, waters. Uh, the Atlantic, yeah. yeah. And, okay, we can't fish it all, but we're just letting people just take it from us. Wow, like, I didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. And, like, the uh, the Irish, like, if you think the Irish government give a lot of uh, grants to farmers, mm-hmm. but there's nothing really put into the fishing, like, it's, even though it's so, it's just as economical, like, yeah, it's 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 a weird kind of way. All right, and so so do you think that it's it's inevitable it's inevitable that it's going to be worse and worse from year it's, to year, well, or do you I, think that I that we think can? The impact is starting to be seen. Like the Irish fisheries, I think, voluntarily cut their quota. So the quota for mackerel this year was we'll just say a hundred tons. Mm-hmm. The Irish government or the Irish fisheries said oh we'll voluntarily remove 20 percent of that so we will we're, we'll reduce our quota mm-hmm. even more because if they're seeing an impact and they're knowing oh christ we have to reduce it really like, it, that's very honestly. interesting because it's it's not commonly known fact because usually fishing industry is per- portrayed as you know they're they're, they're those who destroying yeah everything. they're, but they're now definitely saying- starting to see like oh christ we're wow. making a bit of an impact now like <laughs> really but yeah. that's a good news oh it's good news but is it too little too late? That's that's the big thing. Mm. Is it too late for it? Mm. But like a big, like even, I've heard a few, I've chatted to a few of the lads and trawlers, they're blaming, so this year I think was the biggest year for bluefin tuna in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There's been more bluefin tuna mm-hmm. around Ireland than I think in last, I don't know how many years. Yes. And but that's a, that's a, that's a shift in the population No, they, there was meant to be bluefin tuna here like they're, they're meant oh, to be yeah yeah but, fished, but, but yeah. what i'm what i'm saying is that the fact that they're all of a sudden appeared is not so much that they're recovering it's they, just it's yeah just they could be moving popula- up, yeah. there's just a dis- displacement but, or, or distribution change there was a a theory or what would you call it uh the the trawler member saying oh there's no fish here because the tuna are eating all the fish oh my god yeah you're like ah oh, no that, oh that, my god <laughs> that's that's not right <laughs> there's, there's always someone who comes up with like there's a, always something that uh, there's always something that oh no Jesus not us at all it has to be something else yeah that's, <laughs> I I'm telling you these are tuna seals and cormorants yeah well no, the, cor- the cormorant one I kind of agree with I've seen that there's a lot of cormorants mm-hmm. like, even if you're driving from Limerick to Clare 
mm-hmm. just before you get in the tunnel if anyone ever drives there look right all the trees are dead because there's so many cormorants living on them mm-hmm. that they've killed all the trees mm-hmm. but like i think there's a cormorant um cull coming into effect soon i think they're going to kill a few thousand already yeah i don't know if it makes an effect so so who's uh what predator is a natural predator for cormorants to control their population? i don't know if there is one i suppose mink could probably be one right maybe but that's interesting think, it's, yeah it's, i don't think there out. is an if anyone knows leave a comment <laughs> yeah i suppose mink could probably be the only one and probably only the chicks i don't think anything mm-hmm. would eat if they're a big bird like <laughs> they are but like yeah. the seal one I, there's i think it's in scotland is starting to happen um there's seals coming down from Norway, tar- or sorry, just uh, orcas coming down from Norway, targeting the seal populations in uh, Scotland, I believe. Really? Yeah, they, no. they've they found a new food source. And sure, there's nothing that eats them around. And yeah. these orcas now are starting to come down, target them, so they could oh. end up coming all the way down. Like. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, That'd be nice if orcas are You see them regularly enough if you're out. Mm. Well, not regularly, but they're yeah. seen... Yeah, often you can see yeah but they're just one. chasing kind of shoals but jesus they start taking seals would be interesting <laughs> <laughs> right listen so tell us just just to wrap it up um for the recreational anglers what can they do to you know in in your opinion to to kind of make the situation better or impact like like in a positive way you know fish stocks and, and everything else i wouldn't even start with fish stocks i'd start with like one thing i've started doing uh is Anytime you go fishing, just take rubbish back with you. If it, like, <laughs> Even if it's not your rubbish, there's going to be rubbish there. There's always rubbish. Just take four or five things back with you. And there's uh, one of the lads in Cork, he runs um, uh, Irish kayak angling, uh, mm-hmm. Timo. Um, he we might have seen this post. He was down Rochestown, uh, Roches Point in Cork. And the amount of plastic bottles he picked up, he just, you don't even have to bring anything to collect these. It's on the beach. He just got a yes. piece of rope that was laying on the beach yeah. and just kept tying bottles to it as he walked along. Yeah. And he, he must have had 30, 40 just plastic bottles. And he was just down with the kids. They were playing in the water. And he had so much rubbish. But if you could just take four or five bits of rubbish with you, just mm-hmm. if everyone does it, the beaches will be spotless soon enough. Exactly. And then I suppose, I don't, yeah, that'd be probably the main thing. Um, that's a good advice. It's a good advice. You know, you can make a you can make an impact in. Yeah, in like any you way. hear of all these microplastics and fish. Just if you take it off the beach, yeah, it's not going to make it, it into the water. It's going to be less. All right, listen. Uh, it's been great talking to you. And you, uh, thank host, you very much. Host of knowledge. Is there is there anything else that you would like to add to our listeners? Maybe something that you wish well, we to uh, talk. The, the one thing the one thing I set up Irish Angling Adventures for was to try to get people out fishing. Like people don't know how to get out. You're just you could buy a rod for 10, 15 euro and just go off any pier. You're going to, if you just cast out a bit of bait, you can buy all the bait in the fish shop. Like 20 quid will get you going. Mm-hmm. And you're going to catch fish. Like, <laughs> And always ask people, always, like you're going to have to ask a few people questions or even get on some of the forums and stuff and ask questions, oh, is there anyone heading out? And you'll always, someone will always bring you out. Yeah. So if you, if it's trying to get people out fishing, and once they get out fishing, they start getting into nature. They start getting maybe going hill walking. They they'll just once you're outside. Yes. It's better than sitting inside like playing Xbox and uh, <laughs> watching TV all day. <laughs> absolutely, James. Thank you very much. Thanks very pleasure. much for having Thanks. me. Thank you very much.
You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy Saldor's Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.